I'm sure you've heard the phrase, a picture is worth a thousand words. A picture is worth a thousand words. And what it's saying is that many times a picture can tell you more than words can tell you. You can see a picture and you can, uh, sometimes you can see the agony upon the face of people that in words you may not necessarily receive. You can see maybe hunger, you can see joy, you can see sadness, you can, you can see the, uh, uh, be able to see them laughing or whatever the case may be. And what we have here in the Word of God in Judges 13 through uh, chapter 16 is we see some snapshots or some pictures that God has given to us about the life of Samson. He shows us a life that was empowered by the Spirit but dominated by the flesh. He shows us that, that, uh, that Samson was a man who had a great beginning but a tragic ending. He gives us a description, a picture of how a man who had everything going for him and was born with a proverbial silver spoon in his mouth lost it all. We saw a couple pictures this morning. First, we saw God's picture of salvation in the birth of Samson. God pictures the, the miraculous work of salvation. He uses the birth of Samson to point to the ultimate birth of Christ. And what a wonderful picture it is that we looked at this morning, how God was trying to show that to the nation of Israel, but they missed it just like the world missed the birth of Christ. Just a few got it that evening, but for most of the world, it just passed on by. So we see God's picture of salvation in the birth of Samson. Then we see God's, God's picture of separation in the vow of Samson. There was a call upon Samson's life before his birth. He was to be a Nazarite from the time of his birth until the time that he died. And we, we tied this into our Christian life. And we talked a little bit about how we're to be separated as believers. And the Nazarite vow was not a list of do's or don'ts to be kept, but it was an outward expression of, uh, of inward dedication to God. And for us as believers who hold on to the name of Christ, who are disciples of Christ, who are followers of Christ, there is to be an outward expression of an inward dedication to God in our own life. I mean, the question is, would others know just by the way that you live, just by your priorities, just by what you set as important in your life, forget about telling anybody, but just by your life, would others know and would, 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 they, would they suspect that there's something different about you? For us, we are to be visibly separated and there's to be an outward expression of our inward dedication to God. But I want you to take a look at the third picture. Not only is there God's picture of salvation in the birth of Samson, not only is there God's picture of separation in the vow of Samson, but thirdly, we see God's picture of supernatural power in the life of Samson. We see God's picture of supernatural power in the life of Samson. In chapters 14 through 16, Samson does some pretty amazing things. 
The reason that Samson could do such things, great things for God, was because of the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit upon his life. The secret, if you will, of Samson's great strength was his Nazarite vow. That was the secret of his great strength. And it was symbolized by not cutting his hair. His power was not in his long hair. The secret was not in his long hair. The secret was in a Nazarite vow that was placed upon him. And let me tell you something. The secret for the power of every Christian is the Holy Spirit that's been placed inside of each and every one of us. It's not because we look different or we act different or whatever the case may be, though that should be the case. But the secret to every Christian's power is the Holy Spirit. And when we break fellowship, if you will, when we cut fellowship, if you will, with the, with the, with the Holy Spirit of God, our power is gone. And see, his source of strength was the Holy Spirit. Take a look at Judges chapter 13, if you will. I want to give you a couple of verses here to take a look at. Judges chapter 13, verse 25. And the Spirit of the Lord began to move him. And the Spirit of the Lord began to move him. Take a look at chapter 14 and verse 6, if you would, please. And the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him. Take a look at verse 19. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. Take a look at chapter 15 and verse 14, if you would. And the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him. God used Samson in a mighty way. He killed a lion with his bare hands. He killed 30 Philistines by himself. He caught 30 foxes and torched the fields of the Philistines. I've often wondered how he did this. Think about it. He had to round up 30 foxes. He tied their tails together, stuck a, a firebrand in, in their tails, and then they took off into the fields. He had a pretty good sense of humor. It says that Samson killed a thousand Philistines with a jawbone of a donkey. He carried city gates up to the top of a hill. And he killed 3,000 Philistines in his death by destroying their temple. I don't believe that if you saw Samson today, I do not believe that you would say, man, that guy is ripped. He looks just like our pastor. Well, I'm, gl I'm glad you're listening. Good. <laughs> no, I, I don't believe that you would say that at all. I don't, I don't believe he would have been on the front of the cover of Muscle and Fitness or, or a, a bodybuilding magazine. I, I, don't, I don't think that. I believe Samson was pretty much an ordinary looking kind of guy. And the reason that I think that are, uh, are a couple things. First, it was never to be the judge that was to be looked upon as the ultimate deliverer. It was never to be the judge to be looked upon as the ultimate deliverer. The judge was just to point the people to God who was the deliverer. It was never to be the judge that was to be praised or lauded for his great accomplishments. But it was the judge who was to direct the praise and all the honor unto the God who delivered. See, the judge was just a means to show God's power to deliver his people. And then I'm going to give you a Bible reason here. There's just some of my thoughts 
But let me give you a Bible reason why I do not believe that Samson was like a lot of these pictures that we see. I believe he was an ordinary looking kind of man. Take a look at Judges chapter 16 and verse 5. We're talking about the picture of supernatural power in the life of Samson. Look at verse 5, and it says, And the lords of the Philistines came up unto her, and said unto her, Entice him, and see wherein his great strength lieth, and by what means we may prevail against him, that we may bind him to afflict him, and we will give thee, every one of us, 1,100 pieces of silver. The leaders of the Philistines, they, they wanted to know where his strength came from. If it was because of his great physique... If it was because he was muscle-bound, they would have known where his great strength came from. But they knew that there was some type of supernatural power upon his life. And see, the point is that God was using Samson to deliver uh, the nation of Israel and to point them back to God who would be their ultimate deliverer. Now I want to connect this to your life. Here you go. You might want to write this down. How? What about the supernatural power, the picture of supernatural power in the life of Samson's life? How does it connect to my life? You, write this down if you would. God wants to use you. God wants to use you. Not only does God want to use you, God wants to use you beyond your capacity. Listen, God doesn't want you to just do things that's only in your capacity to do for him. God wants you to, to use you to do things that are beyond your capacity to do for him. God wants you to use you in a supernatural way. God wants to use you beyond your strength. God wants to use you to lead people from sin or from bondage to salvation, to deliverance. And God wants to use you to point people to him, the ultimate deliverer. But it's only through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's only through the power of the Holy Spirit in your life that you can effectively be used for the kingdom of God. One of the saddest things in the Christian life is to succeed in the flesh. The saddest thing for you as a Christian is to succeed in the flesh. We see the picture of supernatural power in the life of Samson. But God gives us another snapshot, another picture here. We see number four, God's picture of sin's destructiveness in the death of Samson. There's the picture of God's salvation in the birth of Samson. There's the picture of God's separation in the vow of Samson. There's the picture of God's supernatural power in the life of Samson. And then there's the picture of sin's destructiveness in the death of of Samson. Take a look. Turn to Judges chapter 16, if you would please, verses 30 and 31. The picture, God's picture of sin's destructiveness in the death of Samson. And Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. And he bowed himself with all his might. And the house fell upon the lords and upon all the people that were therein. So the dead which he slew in his, at his death were more than they which he slew in his life. Then his brethren and all the house of his father came down and took him and brought him up and buried him between Zoar and Eshtal in the burying place of Manoah his father. And he judged Israel 20 years. 
Samson was definitely empowered by the Spirit of God. But now we've come to a really sad ending for the life of Samson. Why? Because he was dominated by the flesh. Because Samson was dominated by the flesh, he failed to live up to the special vow that God had placed upon his life. And it's really, it's really, that's too general to say. If I would just say, well, you're, you're, you know, you're either, you're either, you're empowered by the Spirit and either dominated by the Spirit or dominated by the flesh, that's just too general for us to, to say. We've got to look at some contributing factors. How do I know, how do you know if you're being dominated by the flesh? And that's really sin's destructive power upon us. There are four problems that plague Samson's life. And there are four problems that if you're not careful can plague your life and can plague my life. Write these down if you would. The first one we find that, that, that Samson had a problem with and that if, if we're being dominated by the flesh, we have a problem with is compromise. It's compromise. Samson violated the Nazarite vow and we find his demise. He violated the Nazarite vow by touching a dead body. He violated the Nazarite vow by, uh, by cutting his hair. See, compromising, now listen, compromising on what God has asked us to do or how God has asked us to live is another way of taking God's blessings for granted in our life. Did you hear me? Compromising on what God has asked us to do or how God has asked us to live is another way of taking God's blessings upon our life for granted. I believe all of us could say that God has blessed us and he's blessed us in many, many ways. But the greatest blessing anyone can have is the blessing of salvation. And when we compromise in our life, We're taking for granted the blessings upon our life. So there's the problem of compromise, but there was also the problem of impulsiveness. Impulsiveness. He allowed his passions to control him. He allowed his passions to control him. Guess what? He got hungry for honey. What did he do? He ate honey. You say, well, what's wrong with eating honey? Nothing. Unless you've taken a Nazarite vow and you take it out of a dead body. Instead of resisting his hunger for honey, he was impulsive and he gave in to his passion. He wants to have a physical relationship with a woman. What does he do? He, go ahead, he, he fulfills that passion. He was controlled by his impulses. He gets mad. What does he do? He kills people. Samson was a man who was dominated by the flesh. He was dominated by his impulses. Whatever, whatever he desired, he gave. He didn't hold back. He gave into it. He was willing to risk so much. He was willing to risk so much to be able to have his passions, his desires fulfilled. Think about how often we're willing to throw away what God has blessed us with to fulfill the flesh. 
couples will throw away their marriage for a fling. Young men and young women will throw away their purity for a few minutes of pleasure. A man will throw away or a woman will throw away the trust of their mate for a click of a mouse on the internet. Just for a little bit of honey. See, we look at Samson and we shake our heads and we say, how could we do that? Or we'll throw away a good relationship because we get so angry that we just have to get it off our chest and we tell that person exactly how we feel about them. By the way, words are like toothpaste. Once they come out, you're not getting them back in. We'll throw it away because we're impulsive. So let me ask you something. What's the major decision? What's the major criteria, I should say, for making decisions in your life? Is it what pleases you or what pleases God? There was the problem of compromise. There was the problem of impulsiveness. Here's the third problem that if we're not careful can take all of our lives. It's entitlement. Entitlement says that I have the right or I have, I have the right to something. It's that attitude that says I have a right. Samson felt entitled. I want the honey. I deserve the honey. I'll take the honey. This is the way we have an entitled attitude. I've got so much pressure on my life that I deserve a little bit of pleasure. You fill in the blank. I've often heard it said, well, and I know people are joking when they say this. I think. I hope. But when you get my age, you can get away with anything. Oh, really? Or I've been around this church long enough. I can do. That's an entitlement attitude. That's being dominated by the flesh. Sin's destructiveness in the death of Samson. And then the last, the last problem that I see is pride in his life. Life was all about Samson. He, it was all about what pleased him. Forget about what pleases God. It was all about him. Samson took the blessings of God upon his life. And yes, he did use some of it for the, the cause of Christ. Or, or the, if you want to put it that way, or you could say for the work of God. He did use, but the majority of it was for himself. He took what God had blessed him with and he used it for himself. You say, well, how do you know biblically that Samson was a man full of pride? That's, I think, a legitimate question. Because when he cut his hair, or when, his ha- when he had his hair cut, when he gave up his secret, 
He didn't even realize that the power of God was gone off his life. And he said, here you go, I will go out as at other times. He started to believe that his power was, was intrinsic to himself. We say it this way, I can handle it. I've got this. God doesn't need to be bothered with this. I know what to do. And there's no prayer. See, these four problems are not exclusive to the life of Samson. They, they are also problems that can plague your life and my life if we're not careful. And what are some of the takeaways? And I'd ask you to write this down as we conclude this message here. What are some of the takeaways from Samson's life? Here you go. The biggest threat to Christianity. The biggest threat to Christianity. Or let me put it to you this way. To the Christian life. Is not elimination by extermination. You don't have to worry about Christianity being wiped out by all of us being killed. The biggest threat to Christianity or the Christian life is not elimination by extermination, but it is elimination by assimilation. Say, what do you mean? If you aren't here for the morning service, you can watch it on YouTube, but you can go back and you can see what I told you in verses 1 and 2. There's a missing part to the cycle of sin, slavery, um, supplication, or, or, or crying out to God, salvation, security. There is a missing element the people of Israel never cried out for repentance. They never asked God to deliver them. Why? Because they got comfortable where they were at. A matter of fact, they didn't want Samson to rock the boat anymore. That when he went up to the rock of uh, Esco, I believe it was, and the men of Israel came up, and Samson said to them, he said, look, as long as you won't kill me, if you're just going to hand me over to the Philistines, that'll be okay. But don't you, kill, don't you kill me yourself. And they said, okay. Basically what they were saying is, look, we don't want you rocking the boat anymore, Samson. And the biggest threat to Christianity today is uh, you and I not us worrying about somebody kicking in our doors this evening and mowing us down with a machine gun. The biggest threat to Christianity today to help eliminate the Christian life is assimilation. That we just get comfortable with where we're at and where the world's at. What's another takeaway from the life of Samson? Jesus completes what Samson began. Jesus and Samson's birth were both prophesied. Jesus and Samson's birth were both announced by an angel. Jesus and Samson's birth were both miraculous. Samson's mom was barren and Mary was a virgin, but Jesus complete what Samson begun. What else do we learn from the life of Samson? 
that Jesus is the true and better Samson. That Jesus is the true and better Samson. Like Samson's, Jesus' strength would not lie in how he looked, but because of the power of the Holy Spirit upon his life. But Jesus is the better Samson because he never compromised. He completed the Father's will at every turn. He fulfilled all the law in every point, completely and without sin. Jesus is the better Samson in that he was not controlled by his passions. He was not controlled by his desires. He was controlled by his impulses, but he was controlled by the precious Holy Spirit. Jesus is the better Samson in that he never took what was rightfully his until the Father gave it to him. Jesus never lived with the sense or the attitude of entitlement. Never. See, and Jesus is the better Samson. And when we know that his life-giving power will enable us to live the life that Samson should have lived. See, the point is that the Holy Spirit, if we are surrendered unto the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will help us live the life that Samson should have lived. And when you and I, when we believe all that Jesus has done for us, we'll have the spiritual strength to live that way. What else do we learn from the life of Samson? Samson was the weakest strong man in the Bible. He had it all going for him. But because he lived with a certain attitude, I want it, I deserve this, I can handle it, I can do it, he lost it all. All right, pastor, the lessons that I can learn from Samson's life. Now, how am I going to be able to apply this to my life? All right, let me give this to you. If you want to live the way that I just gave you from those four examples from the life of Samson, or four or five, whatever they were, you have to realize, you have to accept the fact, and remember, you say, well, I already know this. Well, then apply it. Apply it. You say, what is it? Every believer has a special relationship with God. Every believer has a special relationship with God. We need to remember that we're called out just like Samson was. We need to remember that we're to live a separated life just like Samson was. We need to remember that because of this, we have a special birth and we are to live a special life. Every believer has a special relationship with God. And secondly, every believer has a special mission given by God. We're to help deliver the special message that God's given to us. That's our mission. We are to live to encourage those who are in bondage. We're to encourage those who are in bondage to come to the only one that can deliver them. We are to live with a purpose to glorify God and not self. You say, well, pastor, what if I choose not to live this way? When we choose not to live the right way according to our special relationship and our special mission that God's given to us, 
We are living like Samson, one empowered by the Spirit, but dominated by the flesh. It didn't end well for Samson. As I told you this morning, I don't think he ever got it fully. That doesn't mean that God didn't use him. God did use him. But my own personal belief is I don't think Samson ever got it fully. And if you and I are going to live the type of life that God's called us to live, then not only must we be empowered by the Spirit, but we must be dominated by the Spirit. I've met a lot of strong men in my lifetime. But just because you're strong physically doesn't mean you're strong spiritually. I've met a lot of people who've been Christians for years, 40, 50, 60 years. But just because you've been a Christian for that long doesn't mean you're a strong Christian. Your physical age or the time that you've come to know Christ has very little to do with your spiritual strength. So this evening, are you empowered by the Spirit but dominated by the flesh? Or would you be able to say, no, Pastor, I'm empowered by the Spirit and I believe that I'm dominated by the Spirit and my life and my attitudes and my choices and my priorities are all pointing in that direction. Samson was a pretty tragic Christian. I can't say what happened when he got to heaven. But it wouldn't surprise me if he didn't hear. If God never said to him, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Because there was nothing really faithful in the life of Samson. I don't know about you. But I, when I get to heaven, I want to be able to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Empowered by the Spirit. Dominated by the flesh.